Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm joined by a fantastic guest today. Uh, Her name is Rosie Turner and she is the co-founder and co-chief executive of Inchorus. Rosie, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You're welcome. It's great to have you on the show again. So Rosie, can you just give us a bit more of an introduction about yourself? Sure. So I started off working uh, actually in corporate innovation, so particularly helping typically larger larger companies source and onboard new technologies or innovations. And f- during that time, I developed a real interest in particularly technology that could probably improve workplace cultures. So very much looking around that employee engagement tech stack, essentially. But during that time, I actually spent quite a lot of I guess my own energy, it it always starts as a side hustle, doesn't it? Exploring particularly some of those problems in the workplace and how people were struggling to raise them, essentially. So this was a little bit before me too, but I just became very interested in the fact that there were definitely problems that we were all hearing around coffee machines and we were all talking about, but that weren't necessarily being surfaced in in an effective way. Yeah. So that started off as a very early idea for Inchorus. And at that time, I was lucky enough to uh, kind of meet my now co-founder working in a tech for good innovation consultancy, which was called Friendly Fires. Um, and during that time, we spent a lot of time building out a diversity and inclusion kind of vertical within that consultancy. And there we were looking again, applying that kind of similar corporate innovation toolkit, but looking at technologies and innovations that were potentially addressing any part of that diversity and inclusion agenda. So everything from, you know, mentoring through to trying to think for another key area for us, flexible working. But what we found at that time was that there was a huge focus on tools that were supporting with diversity, but very little that was actually helping companies develop more inclusive cultures. So we were actually able to develop and test in course with the market during that time and, and eventually that led us to spinning it out and, and going full-time on it. That's really cool that's I mean that's such a great business story <laughs> how you both founded the startup so I mean your app or your software allows businesses to work with microaggressions so yeah. you know what exactly are microaggressions? Yeah it's a great question it's a term that I think really kind of splits the crowd as to whether people are very familiar with it or not. But really, when we're talking about microaggressions or or micro-incivilities is another term that is sometimes used, we're looking at those everyday kind of comments or actions that consciously or not are revealing a prejudice towards often a marginalised group. Um, So often there's a, a kind of protected characteristic involved there. And so these are really those kind of subtler snubs or slights that often people just are making people feel uncomfortable. So again, people might have heard the term everyday sexism or everyday racism, mm. it kind of to describe some of these issues that we're talking about. Have you got any examples of, yeah. of microaggressions that we often see in the workplace? Totally. So again, if you kind of think about it a little bit as a spectrum, where at one end you might have those kind of higher, higher severity incidents, which might be something that we kind of characterise as like sexual assault, 
But when it comes to microaggressions, it might be more, you know, the fact that you're always asking the only woman in the room to go and make the coffee or Mm. sexist banter or slightly racist jokes that actually to some people are just actually not at all funny. Or even, you know, very intrusive questions into someone's sexuality. You know, all of these are little examples of of kind of behaviours and actions that there often isn't necessarily that intention to hurt behind it. I mean, there can be, but there often isn't. But they're really, these are the little things that are making a big difference, Um, you know, kind of impacting an individual, but also ultimately creating a a culture within a company. And they can really go a long way to making an individual feel either, you know, included or valued when, when a company can identify them and cut them out or really kind of unappreciated and excluded when these kinds of microaggressions are happening frequently. Yeah, I mean, as a wheelchair user myself, I, I've worked in offices where people have made comments about how fast my wheelchair goes. Yeah. Or that I, sh- I shouldn't run over their feet. Yeah. I, I even had one person pat me on the head. Oh, no. So, yeah, so I just barked at him. <laughs> totally. And even actually, like, another example that people don't often think about is, like, how an environment can in itself almost convey some of these microaggressions so if there isn't easy access and actually you have to go all the way around the back of the building like that in itself is conveying a message that somebody hasn't really thought about this um yeah Yeah. so really great example how do these microaggressions or incivilities impact Mm. the workplace or individuals in the workplace yeah really important question because i think that's it it is often the assumption that a microaggression is not really a big deal so to kind of really drill into the impact and see that there's a body of research around that is quite important um so there's a a brilliant book called microaggressions in everyday life actually um, by daryl wing stewart Um, he kind of really looks at the impact on the individual and is able Mm. to pull out you know kind of almost like three stages but initially when these things happen there's very much often like a physical and emotional response you might feel angry or sad or your heart rate goes or you feel flushed And then you're often faced with that decision of do you challenge something and potentially have to face some confrontation there or do you accept it? And potentially there's some kind of guilt or complicity that that gets involved in that scenario. And ultimately what he kind of picks out as all of that combining into is a real exhaustion and a huge toll on the individual when these things are happening frequently because there's kind of this layer of physical, emotional and and cognitive kind of effort that goes into dealing with these incidents. Yeah. That for that individual can really over time lead to kind of anxiety, depression, burnout, which um, you know, for that workplace there's huge implications. And actually what's really interesting is he particularly points that in some cases, these microaggressions, the impact can almost be greater than in a, a case of, for example, overt racism. Or, you know, an overt overt incident, because what you have here is this kind of attributional ambiguity of, well, was that me? Was that you? Why do I feel this way? Should I feel this way? And kind of the processing of all of that makes it much harder to to deal with potentially for an individual, as opposed to an incident where you can just say, well, that was racist. That was bad. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and I read an article once that suggests that microaggressions often happen over time. So you get this compounding effect. Totally. Yeah, and then the people on the receiving end of the microaggressions then start to question themselves about whether it's them, actually them, them that's the problem. Completely. Or whether it's other people in the organisation. 
Yeah, no, that's really, really true. That kind of cumulative effect of just wearing that. I mean, I once heard it described as death by a thousand paper cuts. And mm. I think that's a really great image, a kind of, or a mosquito bite. You know, one mm. in itself isn't a big problem, but when you get a hundred, you're just a kind of itchy mess. <laughs> yeah. So when you and Raj both founded in Chorus, what was some of your original thinking as to why you wanted to create mm. this startup? Yeah, I think uh, personally, it's always felt very important to me that an individual can come forward and share if they've experienced some form of bias or harassment. So I think that was a very um, kind of a real personal motivation. I've seen the kind of the pain and the hurt amongst my network of when people feel that silence is the option here. And so that kind of need to give people a voice across the whole spectrum of extreme harassment down to these kind of microaggression type incidents has felt very, very important for me and for us. And I think what we found there was that whilst companies often have a mechanism in place, you know, potentially a whistleblowing tool or a grievance procedure to deal with the more extreme incidents, this kind of raft of microaggressions or everyday behaviours is often falling through the cracks. And that that is a really frustrating and painful process potentially for the individuals that it's affecting that just then have nowhere to to kind of deal with this constructively. Yeah. So that kind of, it's a very personal pain point, I guess, for the individual. But we very quickly, and, and you know, Raj is hugely instrumental in us working together to see that actually that was a huge business pain point and a business opportunity there as well. Because, yeah. you know, the impact on the individual really does scale into an impact for the business. You know, there are problems there around then kind of productivity, how do you keep diversity, which you know, in terms, scale up to issues around retention and how innovative can you be and how resilient is your organization? And yeah, so there is a real business case for helping companies, you know, address these behaviors that are potentially hurting their employees quite regularly and to develop cultures that kind of steer away from these incidents. That's really cool. I mean, so what does Incorus actually do? So if I log on to the app myself, what will I see and, and how do I use it? Yeah, great question. So in Chorus is essentially, uh, we're a web app where an employee can anonymously log everyday instances of, of kind of bias or the all microaggressions. And it's a very simple process. So we deliberately designed it to be very quick. You know, it's, it's almost a button pressing process to kind of really remove some of the barrier for the individual wanting to, to flag a behavior. And it's anonymous on both sides of the table, because what we're ultimately doing is building up a picture around the trends or patterns of, of behaviors in a workplace. So for the company, we're, we're aggregating that data to reveal kind of insights around where there are potentially problems emerging. So, for example, you might see that women aged 26 to 35 in your MEA sales team are reporting much higher incidents of sexist banter that they're finding really unfunny mm -hmm. and that actually then is quite a, a rich chain of data and information for you to actually say okay well this is clearly having a negative impact let's explore that a bit further and the idea is very much around how can we get some of that data of, of problems at an earlier point so that a company can take a bit more proactive action rather than being reactive to potentially you know something more serious happening at a later stage yeah, it's really cool. I mean, a large part of the work that I do with my clients is um, bringing in technology 
for diversity and inclusion mm. solutions because before I got into DNI, I had a background in technology. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, I was an IT consultant and then I was a technical project manager at, at the BBC. So I've mm. got a geeky side to me. <laughs> and so when I talk to many of my clients about different apps and software that's out there to help yeah. them scale up what they're doing around DNI, I talk to them about Inchorus and Inchorus is one that they get quite excited about. Definitely. Because you provide the data to uh, identify where targeted action needs to happen which in the long run is going to save them a lot of time and money. Totally. It was one of the questions that when we were working at Friendly Fires, the consultancy that came up a lot was, um, you know, companies have a sense of, you know, what diversity data they're capturing and, and what that looks like and what targets are potentially are there. Um, but then there was this real kind of void when it came to inclusion and, and how can we understand that potentially through data and how can we measure it? And so that's really at the core for us as in chorus is thinking about, you know, culture and inclusion and, and some of these quite nebulous or they can very quickly become quite nebulous topics by looking, you know, going back to data and saying, OK, this is the problem that your organization seems to be experiencing. How can we trial a targeted intervention and then measure and track to see whether that improves anything and, and go around that loop again, which is, I think, something that you know, it's the way that business functions work. And so by enabling them to think about inclusion or culture in this way, it's often very exciting for them because they can suddenly see how actually, you know, particularly from a, a DNI perspective, that becomes a very interesting conversation with senior leadership because you can suddenly, you know, present the data and very much have the conversation in those terms. Yeah, definitely. And somebody using or a business using your app they can also customize it, can't they? So that they can signpost employees to additional resources within the business. So it might be that they've got uh, an employee assistance program or a whistleblowing hotline or something like that. Yeah, correct. So we really wanted to try and add in some resources and add value to the employee using the tool as well. So obviously there's the value to the company of understanding these issues, but we really did think about that process for the individual as well. And how can we, you know, make that potentially whatever it is, two-minute interaction valuable. And so, yeah, correct. Adding both a kind of mix of professional and company resources that an individual can access without having to go and have a conversation or, or seek anyone else out. Yes, it is in there and, and included and, and correct, like signposting to other services like EAPs or, or HR. That's really cool. So, I mean, the clients that have started using your software, I mean, what kind of results are they seeing and how are you helping them? Yeah, really interesting. So without talking in kind of too much specifics, we often see a lot of the clients that we've worked with have been at a really exciting point. So they've often been quite fast growth and quite progressive. So for them, yeah. it's not necessarily been about, you know, fixing a problem that they feel they have. It's more been, we know we're at this exciting point where we're growing very quickly and we think actually we have a great culture, but we're aware that it's about to kind of grow exponentially. How can we put kind of tools and mechanisms in place that enable us to manage that growth, I guess, in an inclusive way? Yeah. And in Chorus, I think there has been a, a really useful tool in, in letting people do that because it's very simple and can really kind of grow with you, but just offers that comfort and reassurance around, actually, we know that as we're growing very rapidly, we can have a finger on a pulse of any issues that might be emerging. So that's a particularly interesting 
I think, use case that we've seen. Yeah. And then kind of more recently, actually, we've we've done work with the fintech industry as a whole. So partnering with Innovate Finance and kind of Revolut and Level 39 to open up a version of the app to any employee working across fintech. And there mm-hmm. the idea has been to get that data at an industry level and then really begin to look at how we can help the sector at large too, rather than at just an individual company to see where we can kind of affect change and get collaboration behind that. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. It's really, really exciting. And Thank you. this is, of course, the Inclusive Growth Show. Yeah. So I'm interested in understanding, <laughs> you know, what inclusive growth means for you and your clients. And in particular, how you think technology in general can help accelerate that inclusive growth. Oh, great. I think for me, it's so much about embedding diversity and inclusion, you know, at the earliest possible stage. So often we have conversations with companies where they there's this kind of, well, once we get to this point, then we'll start to do this. Oh, we'll, we'll think about that in two years time or after the next 50 people. And actually, for me, I, I don't think that's the way to do it. I think we really need to start and look for kind of proportionate interventions and ways of thinking about things at the earliest possible stage. So I guess in that respect, it's really looking at from the smaller startups, what can you be doing at seven people, at 10 people to think about inclusive hiring practices or who's involved? Do you have mechanisms in place, even if you're 20, 30 people where someone can flag a problem? And just getting that kind of best practice in early, I think is so important. And I guess that is very much the case with the work we're doing in the fintech sector at the moment. So again, with this fintech for all campaign where we're looking at, you know, how can we help the whole sector think about those challenges today, no matter what size they are, and really be embedding kind of tools and processes and policies that enable them to become very inclusive environments. Because I guess ultimately, the importance there for me is linking to sustainable growth and Mm. the resilience of organizations who are able to kind of essentially look after their employees and keep them. And certainly, you know, today in in COVID-19 times, I think that's never been more important. So I think, you know, as, as companies go through this next difficult step of how actually do we get back on track as an economy and start to scale and grow and move forwards. I think embedding that inclusion and thinking about inclusive growth is absolutely key. That's really cool. And and working with the fintech industry is amazing. I mean, it's such an interesting and exciting industry to work with. And there's so many cool innovations coming out. Totally. We'll have our, um, the data, the kind of initial research coming out from the fintech industry kind of later this month. So stay tuned to hear more about that. And where can we get access to that, those data and insights? So um, the website fintech.incorus.org will be where the kind of all the updates are going to. So head to there and there'll be a sign up. Okay, that's really great. And when it comes to learning more about microaggressions and incivilities in the workplace, what is your favorite resource so far? Uh, It could be a book, it could be a podcast, or it could be a video or anything like that. But if somebody wants to learn more about microaggressions, what would you recommend they read, watch, or listen to? I would definitely recommend the book Microaggressions in Everyday Life. 
it's quite a thick read, <laughs> but it's it's kind of really uh, a, a quite an academic approach to it, but just a fantastic underpinning looking at, you know, the impacts, all the research behind it, and also kind of the themes that occur repeatedly within microaggressions. Yeah, so I think that's a fantastic kind of foundational read. On top of that, Pen Candela actually have some fantastic resources, so online on their website, so that would be another place I would I would head to. Excellent. And the final question is, if the person listening to this episode wants to learn more about what Inchorus does and how it can help their organisation, where can they learn more? So best place would be our website, which is um, inchorus.org, um, or you can find us on Twitter at, at Inchorus Group. Um, and we, we're quite active there, sharing lots of information around this topic. Well, thank you ever so much, Rosie, for joining me on this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. And thank you for listening to this episode. And I really hope to see you on the next episode that's coming out shortly. Thank you very much, Toby. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.